Good morning. It's an early morning here in Australia. Where are we? 5.53 a.m. <laughs> of course, it was morning. Uh, it's just one of those days where we, we, we both kind of woke up at like four o'clock and went, well, we're up now. Might as well get up and be productive. We're awake now. Might as well get up and be productive. G'day, Burton. First in, mate. I think you've got to get an award or something. I should send you some stickers. Send me your, uh, DM me your address and your your mother's maiden name and your favourite colour. I'll send you over some stickers for Have I Been Pwned. In fact, I'll send you a 3D printed Have I Been Pwned sticker. 3D printed sticker? You know what I mean. It's made out of plastic. Uh, so, yes, early. We're, we're still in winter here. It is, it's the depths of winter, so we're down to 18 degrees C at the moment in the pitch black at five to six in the morning so there you go uh benny second yet yeah. no stickers for second mate uh <laughs> so moving on let me jump into it because i thought i didn't really have much today and then i started putting down lists and i was like well okay there's a bunch of stuff here sponsor i have a brand new sponsor this week first time i have had any run so that is any dot run all in capital letters too sponsoring my blog this week Anyone Sandbox reveals malicious scripts in seconds. Try the unique approach with an interactive and easy process of analysis. So this is Sandboxes in the cloud. So if you would like to look at malware, don't do it on your PC. <laughs> don't do it anywhere that you don't have complete control. Uh, and sandboxing over, in fact, if you run it in someone else's cloud, uh, that's where you want to run it. So if, if everything goes wrong, anything goes wrong, it goes wrong on their side and not on your side. So this is actually pretty neat. So you can stand up these sandboxes where you can run your things such that they're not going to interact with your other things on your network and go and destroy nasty things. And you never do kind of know exactly what you're going to get when it comes to malware. Uh, so check out any run. Big thanks to those folks for being a brand new sponsor this week. Uh, and as with all sponsors, I, I hope this works well for them. It certainly works well for, for me and for you because there are no ads and trackers and things like that. Okay, I guess it's an ad. In fairness, it's an ad, but it's t it's text. It's not like one of those big flashy images that is embedded in an iframe, which was in another iframe, which was injected by JavaScript and all the other nasty stuff that happens. So that model, I think, still works really well for everyone. Uh, but it works best when you do support the sponsor as well. So give a click onto any run and have a look at what those folks are doing over there. Moving on. Bunch of people uh, joining here. Mitch, there's a bit of vacation beard going on. It's maybe it's like partly the COVID thing as well, but when you don't normally go out and see people, it's like, eh, do I, I've been busy, do I care? I've got to get a haircut too. I know that's on the list. Uh, greetings from Ottawa. It's probably colder in Ottawa right now in your summer <laughs> what it is here. Jason is in Melbourne. Uh, glad that you're able to get out and do things again in, in Melbourne, Jason. For the international viewers, um, as I've said before, we're in a in a mostly very fortunate position in Australia where there's been very, very little COVID. And for the most part, life is very, very normal. And it's really just sort of been Sydney and Melbourne that every now and then have a bit of a, an uptick because it will escape quarantine. So really the only COVID that we have in the country is what comes in internationally. Everyone that comes in internationally has to go into quarantine. There are some exceptions around air crew and things like this. Uh, and every now and then someone... Uh, Managers to somehow infect someone else from quarantine. It goes through the vents or something like that. Or I think the one that's in Sydney at the moment, they're saying it was a limousine driver that picked up air crew. But anyway, Melbourne had a little bit of a lockdown. They've come out now. Now it's Sydney having a bit of a lockdown. Um, I have actually been trying hard to get my, my vaccine. 
uh, and in fact I tweeted the other day that I'd gone to our our Queensland, which is our state here, uh, our Queensland Health website where you can go and register. So both Charlotte and I went and registered. Uh, and then it says, you know, we'll let you know when you can go and book an appointment. And a couple of days later, you get an email, yeah, you can go and book an appointment. And it says, put your address in, okay. And then what sort of radius would you like to look around your address? And then here's all the places near you. Click on here to make an appointment. And every single one of them then says no appointments. And then you, you can set a date range. You can set it up to 90 days. So it's like, all right, all the way through to September, no appointments. So the UX is kind of crap, if I'm honest. So now I've literally got to try and chase down a, uh, a, a probably just a GP clinic or something. Where you can go. I, I, I don't even know. Uh, my mum's helping me do the legwork because I recently got theirs, which is good. But I do want to get it because I will be doing some travel to the snow around the end of August. Yes, we have snow in Australia. And during that snow travel, I'm also going to be spending some time in Sydney. I will actually be doing at least one event in Sydney, which would be amazing. Uh, and also in Canberra as well, um, just because that's on the way to the snow. <laughs> so I'll, I'll see some government folks in Canberra and maybe do an event or something there. So particularly given that we are having these little upticks and things of, of uh, COVID, I would, would feel better having the vaccine there. Now, of course, as soon as I tweeted this, I get an email from someone, an email, a DM from someone saying, you know, just, just like do your research. Because I had a mate whose dog's cousin's best friend had an adverse reaction. You know, maybe you should... Jesus oh, Christ, please. We're getting the vaccine. We just got to find someone to get it. All right. So moving on. Other things. Other things. Now, uh, holidaying in Queensland. That was what was on my list. So we did have a little bit of a... Uh, a little bit of a holiday uh, now for the again for the overseas viewers remember australia is basically the same size a tiny bit smaller than uh, continental usa uh, not including the free states so it's it's a massive massive place uh, and in fact the state that we live in here queensland so you know so sometimes people are like oh texas is really big it's like yeah, this is twice the size it's twice the size of texas there's only five million people here and this is our second largest state as well so there's lots and lots of places you can go. So we went to a spot that was was about two and a half hours drive west up into the mountains to Australia's highest non-alpine lodge, which feels like a very caveated title. Anyway, went ahead a couple of nights away there, and it's basically just like this lodge on the top of a mountain uh, that you have to spend half an hour driving up a dirt track to get to. And it was just sort of in the middle of nowhere. It's really, really nice to sort of go there and 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 kind of tune out for a bit. When I say kind of, there's not a whole lot to do there, but it's like mountainous kind of fireplaces and that kind of thing. So I did spend some time doing some writing on the book. <laughs> so it was a nice place to do that. And I didn't feel like I was taking work away. It was like, hey, this is a, a good time to engage my mind in something that I'd like to complete. So there was some progress there. Spent some time doing that. There's some photos and things on my Twitter timeline uh, since time sitting in the hot tub <laughs> with like the cows and stuff around you which was kind of cool jumping into a very very cool pool because it was getting down very close to freezing temp uh, each night only time i think i've jumped into colder water was in a norwegian fjord in january uh and, and that was cold <laughs> that was that was like out of a sauna into the fjord back into the sauna so nice to get a little bit of a, a break just there now, something else that's just, just come up, and this is going to lead into a blog post, and I'm just curious as to how people feel about this. Spam. I think I know how people feel about spam. So I got one of these 
emails. This was overnight for me from ELVTR, which I guess is Elevator, but they just couldn't get the domain name, so they fit the company name to the letters that they could get without most of the vowels. Hi, Troy. My name is... I won't say the name. And I'm the PR manager at Elevator. Oh, by the way, when you spell Elevate, you must put square braces around Elevator. I'm writing to let you know that Elevator, in bold, has opened enrollment for cybersecurity live online courses taught by John Haley, the senior security engineer at Netflix and information technology advisor to the US State Department. Sounds fancy. And then this line's all in bold. We hope that the opportunity to plunge into the cybersecurity topic with a world-class professional will be exciting for your audience. This can increase engagement with your content. <laughs> we, we create courses with industry leaders from the most influential businesses in a variety of fields. It helps us train rising professionals for specific roles. That's why we're looking for these professionals among your readers who are definitely interested in constant career development. So I just went back. <laughs> I said, how did I get on the spam list? I always like posing that question because it's loaded, right? It implies it's a spam list. And often I get very defensive answers. Now, to be clear as well, it's not that I just like fucking with people. It's like That's definitely part of it. Don't get me wrong. But part of it too is I am writing a blog post that's been in progress for a long time about spam and effectively about what meets the definition of it. Because I'm always curious, right? It's like, what was it that drove you to send this to me because I'm trying to say, say it without sounding self-ingratiating but I, I don't think it would take you very long to figure out that maybe I wasn't the right target demographic for this so anyway I go back how to get on the spam list she says I didn't mean to spam you with this email this was accidental spam <laughs> thought this would be interesting for your blog have I been pwned Sorry for the inconvenience. And I'm like, oh, this is getting really interesting. I wonder where this will go from here. Now, I have screen capped and tweeted part of this, but there's more of it, which is here in the thread. Hence me relaying it. I said, HIBP isn't a blog. How did you come across my email address? Because I'm interested now, because my email address is not on Have I Been Pwned. It is in other places. That's how I get email. People need to find my email address. Sorry, comma, for the misunderstanding, I mean this blog and linked me through to my blog. Not sure how we found the email. I think via some open source. <laughs> so I'm going back. And it's, again, it's like dealing with uh, with scam calls. Where it's like there's a little bit of you which is just, in, just enjoying making them squirm because they've done the wrong thing. I'll go back. So on my blog... The one with my own InfoSec training courses right on the front of it. You thought I'd want to promote someone else's courses. And my email address was taken from somewhere you don't even know, but was clearly then used for spam. I'm asking these questions as I'm writing a piece on spam that will be published to that blog. And Elevator's practices will make a perfect example. Are you aware that this meets the very definition of spam in, in many parts of the world has legal consequences? And she comes back, she's still sorry. I'm sorry again for the inconvenience I made for you. Hope you understand that I didn't mean to spam you. My point was to share my pitch with the author who runs the blog. But this is what you constantly get with people trying to defend spam. It's like, I didn't want to spam you. I just wanted to send you advertising stuff and get you to either buy it or promote it. 
Well, that's that's spam. That's what spam is. You literally go to the definition of spam, and it pretty much ticks all of those boxes. So uh, they're going to make a great example. And I did tweet this, but I um, I couldn't find this company at all on Twitter, which is really weird to be like pushing infosec courses and not even have a Twitter presence. And then I couldn't find the guy who's meant to be the Netflix guy in the U.S. What was he? U.S. Department of State guy. I couldn't find him on Twitter either. But what I was really hoping is to uh, to have someone find him. So maybe someone has while they've been recording this. Someone find him, loop him into this thread. Because as I said, if I was him, and we can't blame him for this because he might be completely innocent, but I would be really, really pissed. Uh, and I think what I'm going to do, so if someone did, I noticed one of the early comments say they found him on LinkedIn. I might ping him on LinkedIn and go, mate, I'm like, are you aware of this? And if if you're not, and I was you, I would be very happy for me to contact me. You know what I mean? And And, and like, actually mentioned that this is being used this way and if you are aware of it well we're going to have a different discussion because this is really really shitty so anyway we'll see where that goes it could be fun good material for the blog post oh Lars has joined g'day Lars uh who else is on here Stephen just watch you at times two speed and then suddenly started talking really slow realized I'd caught up with the live part oh cool that's that's clever I didn't know you could do that you can actually catch up hmm well, she says, I didn't want to spam you, just wanted two other words for spam, <laughs> which is exactly it. Um, Troy, did you talk about McAfee yet? No, I haven't spoken. Where was on my list? I think that might have been like, yeah, yeah, next. <laughs> Let's talk about that next because that's weird. Like it's been popping up everywhere today with this suicide thing. All right. Let's do the McAfee thing. And I'm by no means a McAfee expert. I just think it's a fascinating chapter in this industry and in technology in general. So I got up yesterday morning to the news that that John McAfee was was dead, which th- that in itself is, you know, like he's, he, he is a noteworthy person in this industry. And I think I'm carefully caveating this here because he obviously did really, really cool stuff in the 80s and 90s, uh, building the, you know, I think what was meant to be the first antivirus for, for PCs, which is a big thing and obviously spawned a big industry. And the name has obviously stuck well beyond his time with the company. And then, as most people know, I don't think it would be uncharitable to say that he went a bit batshit crazy. And there's so much stuff. And the one that always comes to mind, I don't know if you've seen it yet, and someone will find this link and chuck it into the, the discussion here. He did this video where he's, uh, it's obviously a carefully produced video, but he's explaining how to remove McAfee antivirus from your computer. And he's in there like snorting drugs. Pack and heat, he's got guns, surrounded by prostitutes, I assume. Uh, and then at some point shooting a laptop. And it's it's just it's it's just the, the weirdest, bizarrest thing. It must be almost a decade old now, but to, to me that's always just become the like the canonical depiction of McAfee. Uh, and then of course there was the whole Belize thing and the neighbor's dog being shot and the guns and all this sort of thing. And I think actually no, it was the neighbor who was it wasn't the dog, I think it was the neighbor who was shot. There's a documentary on it I saw it some time ago. But it's just there's always just weird, weird controversy following the guy around. So he, uh, as Lars just said here, he definitely made tech more interesting, and he and he did. And it, look, it was a fascinating thing. Uh, and I actually didn't realise that he was in in prison in Barcelona, uh, but he was he was apparently in prison in Barcelona for things like tax evasion, I think securities fraud, and things like this. Yeah, he was wanted in the US, and it sounds like his um, uh, his extradition had just been granted to to send him back to the US and face charges. And it was just after that, I think a matter of hours after that, that they found him dead in a jail cell. 
like which is which is tragic no matter who the person is to to you know to, to go at all but to go that way but of course that has then led to all the conspiracy theories about well what is it that actually killed him like was it himself or was did someone take him out like epstein style because that's how epstein went allegedly and then people of course are going back through his tweet history and there's tweets which is like hey if i turn up dead just know like it wasn't me it was it was the other people and then there was I think his um, his Instagram page had a, a Q posted to it, as in the QAnon conspiracy theory people. But what I found really funny, like we, we know that, that the crazies are out there, right? <laughs> the fringe is always there that just thinks that there's a conspiracy theory behind everything. But what I found interesting was to see people chiming into the tweet thread, like people who are followers of me. I don't think it's any of you, but anyway, there's other people. Uh, literally just going down the conspiracy theory route again. And I'm sort of just looking at it. I think someone made the comment like the only conspiracy theory is that he hung himself. I was like, maybe you just need a dictionary. (laughs) That's your problem. The whole definition of conspiracy theory is that there is some sort of dark, shady organization which is conspiring to make things uh, or or to conspiring to... Anyway, do other stuff. Uh, you know what I mean. But it is literally dependent on there being dark, shady organizations doing things. Like hanging yourself is the least possible conspiracy theory out there because it is a purely self-motivated, self-inflicted uh, incident. Assuming that's what it actually was, which is the Occam's razor, right? Like that is the most likely explanation. Uh, the other things are much less likely. The whole sort of global cabal of pedophiles eating pizza with Hillary Clinton. Did I get that right? very american thing anyway so that was mac i really don't have much more to add other than it was just a really really noteworthy thing uh, look at the comments here uh, walshie by the way the company is on instagram and facebook but not twitter yeah I, I did actually discover that much uh so there are other places i can go and abuse them which is good mcafee video above did uh, did someone post the mcafee video I, I can't see it there pimdoos uh or mogstock <laughs> Stephen reckons it was a 5G chip in his arm that made him do it. Uh, Close the sarcasm, but is it sarcasm? Because I think a lot of people actually have <laughs> have that belief. Mm. Moving on. Back on to more normal everyday tech. So I got Charlotte a new laptop. Now, I had tweeted oh, a couple of months ago about me losing my mind with her MacBook Pro. Uh, now that got some reaction <laughs> and I want to qualify what I mean by losing my mind because there's several things. First of all, we got a two of these really nice uh, LG 4K screens uh, and they, they run over Thunderbolt. We got them from the Apple store, meant to play very nice with Macs. Um, she just had constant problems driving them both off her old MacBook Pro. Now I can't even remember the exact spec of it. It was about a three, two, three-year-old machine, so not too old. But the screens would be fine, and then one of them would black out. Now, you're meant to be able to daisy-chain them, so you plug one into the other and then one into the laptop, and you just go Thunderbolt into the USB-C slot, and you're fine. But you you continually get this blacking out, uh, which was driving her absolutely nuts, and it was driving me nuts to see it as well. So clearly, the the conclusion there was that the, the GPU in the MacBook just wasn't powerful enough to drive the screens. And then you start looking at Macs with good GPUs, and holy shit, they get expensive very, very quickly. But the, the other thing that was that was problematic is that uh, she's she's in our industry. She organizes tech conferences. She knows many of the same people all of us knows and lives in these circles. 
but is not uh, not a techie by trade like many of us. So she's a power user of the machine. But there's a lot of points where I'm like, hey, can you just do this thing? You know, can you just extend onto multiple screens and then rearrange the order? You know, the basic stuff that we would do every day, uh, either with PCs or Macs, and that would go beyond her uh, normal usage of the machine. And I'd be like, well, you don't know how to do this thing on the Mac, and I don't know how to do this thing on the Mac, and we just constantly end up unable to do these things. And it was... Uh, it was annoying me, <laughs> It's just constantly like, how is it so hard to do this thing on a Mac? Now, it's not to say you can't do the thing on the Mac. It's just that neither of us knew how to do it. And then the, the other thing, and this is, this is going to seem like a really minor thing, but it's, it's actually, I think, a really, really major thing. We will often end up using each other's machines for one reason or another. So it might be me saying, you know, um, l- let me show you this, this, this web page and go through and fill out a form or something like that. And, and there's two big things that were making that really hard. Uh, one is that Macs just simply work differently. So I'd be like, hey, why don't I copy and paste this field? What, I can't control C? Why can't I control C? Is it command C? What's the shortcut for this? Um, and I know some of you there like slapping your foreheads going, this is easy because you live in the Mac world and that's fine, but it's different for me. The other thing is, and this is true whether it's Macs or PCs or whatever else, is that I find every time I go from completely different keyboard and mouse layouts, my productivity absolutely goes through the floor. <clears throat> so particularly when I've got used to an ergonomic keyboard that looks like this and an ergonomic mouse that looks like that, and they feel very, very different to uh, non-ergonomic keyboards and mice, it's very, very hard to go to another machine. And then I've got the Lenovo P1 machine just here, it's a ThinkPad. Uh, and obviously that is a different keyboard to this, but basically I go between this keyboard here and this keyboard here. So there's huge value in her actually having the same keyboards, both on the laptop and on the on the desktop. So we got our external keyboards, and obviously there's a keyboard built into the laptop I've got a which I'm going to go into in a second. But basically just having things the same so that you can interchange makes a massive, massive difference. And I'm a really big proponent of that. So I started looking around, ended up deciding to get her a Lenovo ThinkPad. And actually on Lars's recommendation, so Lars came and visited us a while ago. Lars is on here pimping his uh, his X1 now, uh, <laughs> all the X1s. So Lars came and visited us. I was like, mate, can I just borrow your machine for a moment? I just want to make sure this works. We grabbed his machine. We chucked the two Thunderbolt cables into the two USB-C slots on his laptop. Both the monitors lit up beautifully in 4K on both the screens as well as the 4K on his screen as well like dragging multiple videos under each screen trying to play you know basically just maxing out the GPU and everything worked beautifully so we're like yep screw this buy it so we bought her an X1 Extreme uh, what were the specs I always forget specs it's in uh, it's in my receipts here so we did actually go and buy it as I said in a tweet recently I'm part of the uh, oh, there it is Part of the Lenovo Insiders group, which has sent me a lot of free gear in the past. This is not one of those. This we went out and literally paid retail money for. So it's uh, Intel Core i9, uh, obviously running Win 10. Uh, It's a 15.6 display, 15.6 inch display. It's a 4K display. It is also a touchscreen display. So it was one of the really nice things going from the Mac, going to a PC with a touchscreen. It, it does make a lot of difference. I find particularly when you're both sitting there, and I know you get fingerprints and everything, that's a different issue. But being able to reach over and do that. 
Uh, it's got a half a terabyte primary SSD and then another half a terabyte secondary SSD, 32 gigs of RAM, which is going to be absolutely heaps for her. Uh, and then, of course, biometrics on the fingerprint reader. It's also got a camera that can do biometrics with Windows Hello. And remember, that's not just a camera. That's infrared as well as a camera in order to be Windows Hello uh, compatible. And, and it came with a pen as well in case she wants to draw on the screen, all this sort of thing. And it looks awesome. It's epic. So I tweeted some photos of this. Now, we are yet to get her using it. I literally only set it up yesterday. <clears throat> so as soon as I finish this video, actually, we're going to go and get her rolling over to the PC. Now, she's going to have to go through the learning curve of, of what's it like to use a PC, which she hasn't used for years and years and years. But at least there's one person in the house that knows how to use it, <laughs> which, which is me. So I've been printing up like all the Windows shortcut keys and things like that just to try and get her productive on it. Mm. Now, why the Lenovo? And this is before I even read the comments, but I'm sure someone will ask that question. So I've had uh, I've had ThinkPads for probably 20 years. Uh, initially with employers buying them, and then because I liked them so much, me buying them as well. And then of course the Lenovo Insiders Group. And the the thing about these is that they're they're a rugged build. They're nowhere near as sexy as the Macs. Like let's let's be honest. Not unless you go to some of the Lenovo Yogas. Uh, which then don't have the ruggedness of this. But they're just a super, super sturdy, solid build. This one has been all array around the world probably 10 times with me. In fact, I used to carry uh, this and my and my W5... What did I have before? That was a W540 or something else. I'd carry both of them all around the world. They've just been super solid, super reliable. Uh, this one's actually got a Xeon processor as well, so very chunky machine. The keyboards are absolutely world-class. They're consistently rated like the best or one of the best keyboards to actually use and certainly compared to the old macbook pro and this is a bit larger too so it's got more space but it's things like the the keys on the keyboard are like just slightly scalloped so when you're using it your finger sort of sits in the middle of the key and the travel on it and the click they're just very very nice machines uh, to use so that's the machine now let's uh let's see what people have said in the comments just here Oh no, there's going to be so there's either going to be love and hate. Lars is going to love the Lenovo's, and other people are going to be like, "Why don't you have a MacBook?" Kaizen, I'm using MacBook Pro right now. Bought it last year. Within three months, I somehow fried my motherboard. Got it repaired. Then a month after it came back, my Touch Bar stopped working. And look, I'm 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 hesitant to blame Mac or Mac Apple for this sort of thing in the same way that I'm hesitant to blame Lenovo when it happens to Lenovo's. I've got a drawer full of Lenovo's over there that have broken one way or another over the years. Uh, because they're complex machines <laughs> and sometimes they break. So I, I don't know that there's enough empirical evidence that Macs are unreliable and it's just a shame you had a bad experience with that. Lars, okay, Lars says the build quality of Macs went down. I reckon the latest generation's back on track. And it is a, it's very much a familiarity thing as well. And, and to be clear, I mean, I'm wearing an Apple device and then I've got two more Apple devices right here with my phone and my iPad. Um, Charlotte has the same. The kids all have Apple things uh, other than my son's laptop. So there's a heap of Apple stuff in the house that I'm very, very happy with. I just find that for the productivity stuff and particularly living very much in the Microsoft space, Windows makes sense for me. 
Rear the keyboard, Stephen says. I had this problem between work and home. End up getting new keyboard at both places made such a difference to productivity. It does too, doesn't it? Because you get like this muscle memory, particularly typing. And I don't type anywhere near as fast as what I'd like to. But just being able to find the keys in the same spot down to like the millimeter makes a really, really big difference. So I definitely take Stephen's advice if you don't do this. If you still go to a work, have the same keyboards in both places. A very, very small investment for the return you get on it. The ethical hacker is not happy with crapple machines. Haha. Is that like spelling Microsoft with a dollar sign? A little bit the same thing. Bloodthirsty thinks I look 10 years younger in a sweatshirt. Well, thank you very much. There you go. I've been looking after myself. Gordon, MVP summit 2019. I got two of the Microsoft keyboards and a mouse, so I have the same setup and work at home. Feels great. So, yeah, we're, we're constantly getting this feedback. I reckon this is one of the little life hacks, right? Like have the same keyboard and mouse at your place of work and your home. Uh, Jamie, how are you finding ThinkPad? I think I pretty much covered that. Um, do I have any criticisms of it? The, the last ThinkPad I had, um, I did... I did start to, to burn out the battery, but it's pretty much my, my working habits tend to be always leave every machine on and not in sleep mode. And then I just come and pick it up every time I want to use it. But in fairness, it's like pretty much nonstop throughout the day. I'm picking up one of these machines. I'm either here or I take my laptop and I go downstairs to context switch. So I did start to have real battery issues with one of my, one of my last ThinkPad machines, replace the battery. Uh, so that was not too bad. Otherwise, very, very rare to have any issues that I can think of. Um, I think there was a, a period there I was having some boot issues. This must have been like five or six years ago, but nothing in recent times. I just, I don't, I don't have bad things to say. They're, they're, they're beautifully functional. And I think to my point before, if you were looking for something that felt sexy and if you were... If, if you were the sort of person that needed something that was aesthetically pleasing to your eye or to other people's eyes, you probably wouldn't be getting a ThinkPad because they are such a sort of utilitarian kind of device. But they're just beautifully functional and beautifully reliable. And I will be continuing to buy them for quite some time. Uh, what else here? 13 cubes said, if you're using an M1-based Mac previously, it can only support a single external display with the exception of M1 Mac Mini. Hence why the chaining didn't work. Uh, no, it wasn't an M1s because M1s much more recent. Gordon says, uh, oh, "What happened there? I scrolled, and I lost that." Let's face it: if it's not a touch screen, it's not going to touch the screen because humans and habits and the natural way they use devices these days. That the, the touch screen is kind of nice. Uh, Burton, why didn't you purchase the Surface products? Because I find the ThinkPads much better built. Uh, I have had Surface products before. I had one of the first gen Surfaces, actually. Not only that, but I have had other, I think I've had other Surface machines. I've definitely used other Surface machines. I just find the ThinkPads built much nicer. And also, Burton, to, like regardless of how good the, the Surfaces are, the fact that her keyboard is now the same as my keyboard, also her power plug is the same as my power plug. So I can go and sit at her desk and go, hey, look, I'm running out of power. Can I plug in here or vice versa? It just makes a big difference. Just takes out those little bits of friction. And I almost feel like I just keep looking at what are all the little little tweaks to optimize your life? How can I get a little bit more out of my time or be a little bit more productive or remove a little bit of the friction? So things like being able to change power plugs between each other is good. 
Power Toys, Rambling Geek says, there's on-screen uh, shortcut keys. Uh, Power Toys is awesome. I use Power Toys for the, uh, oh, what do they call it? It's like the sticky screens where you can, I've got to open up now because it's driving me nuts. Power Toys. So you can use Power Toys to do things like define regions of your screen. So the big ultra-wide that I've got in front of me, I've used Power Toys to divide up into thirds. So you know how you can normally snap uh, a window to like half screen or full screen? Once you use Power Toys, and actually create these regions, you can create all these different sections of your one screen uh, using Power Toys. Now, where's it gonna open? Because I've got so many screens in front of me. It doesn't want to open. But if I grab the control key like this, control key, shift key, it's not working. I don't think my Power Toys have started. Anyway, Power Toys is good. And I know it does a bunch of other stuff that, uh, that I'm not actually using at the moment as well, including keyboard shortcuts. Uh, Lars is just about to agree with Rambling Geek. Jamie says ThinkPads are great. This new job is my first with using with one with using a Surface laptop. I hate the lack of ports. Yeah, so I mean, just on ports and Charlotte's is set up the same. So I've got two USB-C Thunderbolt ports. I've got an HDMI port. I've got a little proprietary port that I can plug uh, an Ethernet adapter into or an Ethernet uh, plug, which I actually use more commonly than you'd think, particularly when I've been mucking around with a lot of home automation. Standard headphone jack, uh, two typical USB slots, classic slots, what are they, USB-B slots, uh, and I've also got a um, uh, an SD card reader, which is which is pretty well spec for what is really a very, put that side onto the camera, a very thin sort of machine. So yes, they're, they're good with the ports, these ThinkPads as well. 13Q is best keyboard on a laptop in my home, but I think a Surface laptop keyboard is a close second. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Gordon reckons the Surface feels overpriced for the hardware that you get. They are nice devices, but for your dollar, you can get better hardware from other vendors. What else we got in here? Burton says, how's the laptop keyboard with RSI? So I do get RSI sometimes. Um, and I had a bout of it oh, probably about a month ago where it was just really, really painful in the hand, which I think often gets inflamed after after some tennis sessions. Um, I assume impact or something like that. The it, it, it is definitely not as good using a keyboard on a, a laptop for any sort of RSI than it is using something like this one on my desk where it's it's sculpted and it has palm rests. And of course, when you're at the desk, you're in a proper chair like this Herman Miller Air on here where you can have your posture and everything correct as well. So I, I would absolutely feel it more typing on that. And having said that, when we're just away and I was doing a bunch of writing, I probably spent a couple of hours typing away on it, no problems at all. But if I was doing like long days, one after the other, I think I'd start to have problems with it. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, Mogtox says, have you looked at Windows 11? Will this be a more secure OS and successful for Microsoft? Uh, no, yes, yes. <laughs> so no, I haven't looked at it yet. Look, I'm going to wait until it's, it's ready for me to adopt it, just simply because I don't have enough time to play around with that on top of everything else. And I don't have a machine that I want to sacrifice to a preview build or anything like that. I'm sure it'll be more secure. I'm sure it'll be successful. It'll be the successor to... Windows 10, which has become very successful. Uh, and honestly, I don't know any more about it than what you probably, and you probably know more than me about it if you've read anything, because all I've seen is headlines at the moment. 
but it is obviously a step forward. Francis Reed Jr. likes the Logitech MX keys. A bit pricey, but really liked what I got one for work as well. Uh, Matthias uses Apple keyboards all over the place on Windows and Linux. Problem started when it spilled water over one of them and Apple didn't sell them anymore and needed to replace them all because you'd, you'd lined up everything so they were all the same so that you had this nice productivity and low friction and then one of them dies. That's shitty. I mean, oh, okay, and everyone's just reminding me it's fancy zones for um, for power toys where you drag the thing over. Thank you, folks. That That is the one. Martin says, Microsoft just announced a similar feature in Power Toys coming in Windows 11. Did you see the announcement? Thoughts? No, <laughs> I didn't see the announcement, obviously. All right, let me go on. Let me go on. So, uh, IoT button panels. This is the next thing. So, I tweeted during the week. Now, as I've mentioned to people before, uh, I have had a leak. Uh, no, not like I have a been pwned leak. It's not a data leak. Leaks in the house. Um and as, as Lars knows, and I think he's seen firsthand, there is severe, severe is the only way to describe it, work being done here, including the entire bathroom having been ripped out uh, and having to be rebuilt. And we're doing the bedroom while we're there uh, and a bunch of other stuff. So anyway, this is clearly an opportunity to put more IP addresses in the house. <laughs> On a more serious note, what I'm, what I'm trying to work out is if you can imagine a bedroom and a bathroom and you, and you rip everything out, and unfortunately to fix a leak, this is what you have to do because bathrooms have a waterproof membrane which is under the tiles and the tiles are under the bath and the shower and the vanities and the toilet and everything else. So everything gets ripped out, um, even all the plaster sheeting from the wall ripped out. So you now walk into, well, two days ago, you walk into the bathroom and there's frame and insulation and then the outside of the house so you can see through, <laughs> through the wall. So we're just getting the sheeting back on now. But of course, we've got to look at things like, well, where do you put lights? And then there are other things in the bathroom, which I'm going to talk about later on, which also need power and automation. And you end up getting to the point where it's like, well, there's a lot of things we've got to turn on. And when you get to the bedroom, uh, you know, there's obviously lights on the roof, uh, but there are, oh, should I just remembered another place I need power in the bedroom? Um <laughs> There are also uh, things like uh, light switches next to the beds because you have reading lights and things like this. So here's the philosophy I'm taking IoT-wise. I have decided that all of the lights in the ensuite in the bedroom, because these are meant to be places of relaxation, are not going to be smart lights. So I do not plan on any of the lights themselves having IP addresses. What I do plan on is every single one of them sitting behind a Shelly. Uh, either a Shelly 1, just as a, as a straight relay, or a Shelly dimmer, so that I can control dimming. And what that'll mean is regardless of how messed up, let's say Home Assistant, the IoT, the network or whatever gets, every single light switch will still work precisely the same, which is good. But it also means I'm going to end up with a situation where there are going to be, I think I'm getting close to 20 relays which will go in between the two places to control all the things now as a result of that what i want to be able to do uh, and just to give you a little bit of a sneak peek of some of it it'll be things like we're getting some new curtains i want to get uh, automated curtains because what i'd really like to be able to do in the morning is be able to push a button and then the curtains open up because the sun rises just in front of the bedroom and you look out of the wall and i just think it would be epic but i would like to have a button a button next to the bed which will open the curtains and maybe do some other stuff as well um, and it, it got me to thinking if I'm going to beyond just 
buttons to toggle power or set dimming if I'm going to have multiple different possible scenes and things like this. What I really need is like a button panel. So I tweeted the other day asking if anyone's seen IoT button panels. Now there are lots of suggestions saying basically like either use, use an iPhone or an Android device uh, or use some other TFT touch screen. Now that doesn't work for one very, very simple reason. In fact, two simple reasons. Uh, number one is they emit light. So I do not want that in a bedroom emitting light. I want to have buttons which are tactile and I can turn on by touch and it doesn't matter if I can see them or not. So actually that, that's, that's the second thing. So number, number one, they emit light, so that's a no-go. Number two is that you cannot feel the difference between the buttons. You have to see it and then you have to click on the right button. Now, I'd, I'd sort of said, look, some, almost something like a Stream Deck. So I've got a Stream Deck on the desk over here, which I can't show you because it's plugged in and wired quite tightly. Uh, but if you haven't seen the Elgato Stream Deck before, this is a 5x3 button panel, but they do emit light because you then set the icon behind each button. Now, there are a bunch of suggestions, and I, I think I know where I want to go with this, but probably the best suggestion was uh, a carer, which a carer makes all these little things like little light sensors and motion sensors. They do make a Zigbee-based button. I have several of those throughout the house to do very discreet things. So I've got a button at the bottom of my stairs. So when I walk down in the morning, I can double tap the button and it turns on between certain hours, the morning mode. So a bunch of the lights come on and it starts playing the, the radio on, on my Sonos. And then if I walk past and I push the same button once at any time of the day, it shuts everything down. So the last thing I do before I go to bed, tap the button, all the lights go off, the Sonos goes off, the whole lot. But it's one button and it's big. You can get a carer buttons, which are a four-way. So they, they actually have four switches on them. In fact, I think they look kind of like rockers, almost like they're going to be a dimmer or something. So that's an option. Uh, but they're big and clunky and not very aesthetically pleasing. And this is the other thing. Like we're putting a lot of time, frankly, a lot of money into making this thing look really nice, the, the renovation stuff. And I don't want to have a situation where it's like everything looks awesome and there's this great big clunky plasticky white button thing somewhere. So what I think the answer to this might be is because I, I feel like I'm solving every problem with the Shelley at the moment, but because the Shelleys can sit behind whatever button you would like, I am seriously considering just having like a normal light switch panel. And let's say it's a four gang panel. It's got four buttons on it. And then there'll just be four buttons and there'll be four Shelleys or two Shelley 2s, which have the two relays on them. And I'll just sit that in behind the buttons and then each button is just going to trigger a Shelley. And then the Shelley will raise an event and then in Home Assistant I'll go, well, you've just pressed the button, which is like the morning sequence, open the curtains and you know, turn the radio on, whatever it is we want to do in the bedroom. So I think that that might be the way I'm going to go because I want it to be aesthetically pleasing. I want it to be tactile. I don't want it to emit light. Uh, and that seems like a reasonable solution. It would be nice if it didn't have to be wired back to mains, though, is the only thing. It'd be nice. But then you're changing batteries eventually. We'll see. I'll get to it. If anyone else has any good ideas, let me know. Okay. What else is in the comments here? Um, Stephen's asking, how goes the home automation assistant stuff? Got anything new to play with? Well, there's that. Um, <laughs> I... I sent Lars this video yesterday. I don't think I'll play it because it's literally recording a neighbor and it wasn't the intention, but uh, 
I've been having some problems with the two-year light. So I put some 20-something IP-based two-year lights at the front of the house. And I've explained before how my problem with these is that they are cloud-dependent. And when you want to do something like turn on the uh, turn on the, the nighttime scene, it, it all happens bit by bit by bit because it happens in, in sequence. So it goes up to the cloud, turns on this light, up to the cloud, turns on that light, and they all pop in one by one by one. And not only do you depend on the cloud, but then you've got the latency and everything. So anyway, I've been marking out those, and, and these ones keep losing the ability to change color. And I have to go back into the two-year integration and then select them all and then say force color support. So I'm mucking around with this yesterday. It's about 5.30. It's just gone on dark. And um, and uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to remember exactly the words that I used. I poke my head out the door, and I've just turned on one of the scenes which puts the place, I had a, a scene called party mode and it's just like all of the lights at the front go like pink and blue and it looks looks insane. Uh, now this is not what I normally do. They're normally like a nice warm glow. But every now and then, because the kids think it's fun or we're having a party or something like that, it's like, all right, I'll make them funny colors. And I'll turn them on, I'll poke my head out the door and I can just see this guy over the road. He's obviously a tradie or something. He's been there doing some work and he's having a conversation I can't really hear. And then he turns around and he says something to the effect of, fuck me, it's like a disco over there. <laughs> because he's seen this house and it's just like all these pink and blue lights and stuff come out. And it was just the funniest sounding comment. And I was like, did he just say what I thought he did? And I came up and I pulled the ubiquity um, uh, camera data <laughs> because it constantly records. Uh, and look, I, again, I, I won't post it publicly because it was someone else not knowing they were being recorded, <laughs> but cameras constantly record. But uh, it was just funny. Anyway, that was a tangential response to Stephen's uh, question there. What else we got here on the IoT side of things? Uh, Shelly's for WAF. <laughs> Do you have any issues with wireless stability with the Shelly's? Some of mine are dropping off the network regularly, sometimes multiple times per hour. There's a good question around network stability. I And I've shared this a bit publicly lately. I have had stability problems with particularly around uh, ARP tables. Now, it'd be interesting, Pim Doos, who asked this question, have a look at uh, can, and I'm not sure what network equipment you're running, but here with my Ubiquiti network, what I'm finding is that wireless devices are having trouble seeing wireless devices. And when I look at the ARP tables, say on my laptop just here, often the ARP tables are not populated for the MAC addresses of other wireless devices. It is something I've been chatting with Ubiquiti about, uh, and in fact, just before I started this call, I pinged them again and gave them a little reminder that I'm waiting for a response on some things here. But I do believe that there there are some, some issues and some fixes coming on the ubiquity side of things. But it, it has frankly bugged the hell out of me because what it's meant is I can't walk around with my laptop and join Shelley's to the network. So at the moment, well, actually, in, in fairness, I can because the setup process is the Shelley broadcast and SSID. You connect to it. You set up the Wi-Fi details. But then you disconnect from it and then the Shelly reboots and it joins the primary network. But once it joins the primary network, I can't access it from here unless I plug in an Ethernet cable or I come back up to my desktop. So just, just have a look. Is it your Shelly or is it your networking equipment? But I sincerely hope Ubiquity fixes that soon because it's driving me absolutely nuts at the moment. Now, other than that, it's actually pretty stable. In fact, what, what I did while I was trying to troubleshoot all this, and I'll see what this looks like now. In Home Assistant, I am using the native Shelly integration 
just to show the Shelly devices, but I'm also using MQTT in order to actually control the Shelly devices. Now that the relevancy of this is that what I've now got is I've got one view here on Home Assistant which just shows all of my Shelleys and if they're available. In fact, I've broken into two parts. There's one part here which says always on. So these are the Shelleys that should always be on because the devices behind them are controlled internally in terms of on, off, color, all that sort of stuff. So uh, I've got some lights near my barbecue. The power to those lights is always on and then the lights themselves toggle on and off. And there's a big list of them. And then I've got all the toggleable devices beneath that. So these are things where the power state changes on and off. And, and the reason why these are there is because if I've got like classic lights, so dumb lights, which is what's going into the bathroom and the bedroom, and then the only way to turn the light on is to give the Shelly power, and the only way to turn the, the light off is, well, the Shelly's always got power, but to actually turn the relay in the Shelly off. Now, there's a long way of answering your question, but when I look at this list, I can't see any drop-offs whatsoever. So I've, I do have stability with the devices on the network, I just can't see the devices from other wireless devices at the moment. Um, and I, I do I do notice very quickly if they drop off. So no, the, the Shelleys do seem to have been stable here. Steven says, Akira Magic Cube is an interesting device to do different actions, shake, flip, drop, knock, etc. Might be fun for the kids, that one. Matthias says, Akira trad free switches and dimmers, same problem, they look like shit, sorry. But <laughs> and, and, and to be fair, it's just that when you're when you're putting a lot of TLC into designing everything all the way down to the colors and the positions and things of the light switches, and they're very, very specifically the same sort of design and color, and then you get something completely different. That's where it all, to me, goes off the rails anyway. Um, Lars says he hasn't had uh, great results with the IKEA stuff. They just drop out and won't come back all the time. One died completely. I've got some IKEA tread-free um, Zigbee repeaters, which to be honest haven't been particularly good. Like when I look at my Zigbee map, there's really not much on them. What I found much better is, and I know there's a pricey option, but Philips Hue lights paired directly to the Conbee on Home Assistant rather than to the Hue Hub. They have been fantastic Zigbee repeaters. They've got a great Zigbee range now. Um, mm. Now, Joseph says, in your website, you look so young, which I think is a nice way of saying now I look old. Um, that photo is more than a decade old and I have, uh, am actually planning now on getting more done. I was going to go, because I use the photo so many places, maybe I should get a proper photographer to take some photos. But I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this camera down into my garden and try and get a photo that looks very similar to the other one, which is the way the other one was originally taken in a garden back in my home in Sydney. And I'll get one that looks very, very similar. It'll just be with older Troy. So... Maybe we'll get a haircut first <laughs> and then I'll do that. And hopefully then I'll get like another decade out of those photos. But yes, I'm aware of that the photo needs to change. Um, also very subtle. Thanks. Sonoff says, Jeff, have nice Zigbee buttons or use a hue button set. Again, compatibility in terms of visual compatibility is the problem. Uh, Matthias says the IKEA hub is a piece of crap. <laughs> No problems after migrating them to Zigbee to MQTT. Um, <clears throat> what else is happening here? <laughs> Peter wonders where the sparkling mirror ball is for the disco. Don't get me started. If I could connect one, I'd probably get one. 
Someone's going to send me a connected one any moment now. PMD says, Cisco APs with Mobility Express will have a look at their ARP tables. Yeah, have a look at those ARP tables. Look, I have found that I can normally pin it. I can't always solve the problem, but I can at least pin the problem down to something pretty narrowly focused. Uh, so, for example, my Ubiquiti doorbell keeps dropping off the network. Uh, I can narrow that down pretty closely to the fact that the signal is just not strong enough in the in the place it is, and I've got to think about how to get more signal out to there. Uh, and, and part of the way I've done this is, is things like even running. Uh, if, if you've not seen Ping Plotter before, Ping Plotter is a really neat tool where you can ping on a specific cadence and create graphs of the latency. And as soon as you get a dropout, you can see it on the graph. So run that for like 24 hours and see if you can identify when it drops off. I'm not sure what you can do with the Cisco APs in terms of signal strength, but certainly with all the Ubiquiti gear, I can see the signal strength of each client, so I can see if it drops below a certain level. You can walk around with a laptop and in SSID or something like that and get a bit of a sense of it, but of course, IoT devices often have smaller wireless radios and the mileage may differ. So yeah, if you can pull that data, that would help. Matthias says, try if lowering the DHCP least time to make the Shelleys taking more to your network. Just an idea. That's not going to fix <laughs> fix this problem because the Shelleys are fine on the network, but that might fix Pimdu's problem. Who has a feeling it has something to do with the weak antennas, though, which is kind of what I just touched on. Uh, Adrian's late. Don't be late, Adrian. <laughs> you can watch it back later. Stephen says, do you use ZHA, ZB Home Automation, or DCONS? <clears throat> Uh, so I use decons, and I, I can't remember exactly why I started with decons. I've had moments where I've been very tempted to get rid of decons, primarily, and I'm just going to look and see if it's doing this at the moment, primarily because it forgets, it's done it again, it forgets the names of some devices. So <coughs> when I look at my, my Zigbee network map now by VNCing into decons, I have motion sensor and motion sensor 2, and another motion sensor, and then a multi-sensor, and it's completely lost the names for them. And that really, really bugs the hell out of me. So what, I, what I've taken to doing is after I get these right, I've been screen capping, and there's only seems to be like five different Zigbee devices that do it. I will screen cap it, I'll save the screen cap, and I leave all the little icons in the same position, and then I open up my screen cap, and I look at the map here, and I go, okay, this is I need to rename back to that one, and then I need to rename back to that one. I don't know why it does this. I'm sure there's a reason, but it seems pretty stupid, and it keeps happening. So that has been the one thing that's been making me tempted to roll over to ZHA, which I don't think I'll do because it's now going to be more and more work the whole time. Um, Shane says, Ubiquity finally asks you to see statistics by date time window. I don't think I've tried that before. Uh, and Ramley Geek says, Decons never seems to work for me. I know Lars recently had some problems Zigbee-related as well, but I don't think you can blame Decons on that. Lars, I think that seemed to be more to do with the hue. Uh, okay, so look, last thing, blog-wise, is the Jamaican government is now on board Have I Been Pwned. They are the 22nd uh, government to have joined Have I Been Pwned and the 11th since March. So to be... Uh, you can get a bit of a sense there of how quickly this has kind of escalated. So there were a lot of a lot of governments that that came on over a long period of time. So eleven governments came over the, on the period of probably about three years, and then eleven have come on in the space of about four months. There is in my little black ACS C book just here 
a bunch of others in the pipeline as well. There'll be another one announced on Monday. And at this rate, there's going to be continue to be one announced. I'm trying to do them on a Monday each week when I'm not on holidays. There'll continue to be new governments all the time. And, and again, these governments get uh, free access to domain-level API-based searches. Uh, and it, it does have an allow list of what they can query. So if in, the, in the case of Jamaica, I can't remember their TLD. I think it was JM or something like that. It's like .gov.jm, star.gov.jm. And then some governments have individual domains not on the same TLD, uh, and, and then they get added to the allow list as just as individuals. So I'm going to keep onboarding them because it helps them do good things. It, and they're, they're governments. It's very hard to either get money <laughs> from them, so that's out, or to get paperwork from them. It's very, very easy to say, hey, here's something which I think will be useful. Make the world a better place and have it for free. Uh, and really, it doesn't have much overhead on me. Certainly not the way these governments have been using it. So there'll be more of those coming. All right, last comments on here. Um, I think more people with uh, with probably decons problems. <laughs> really, if if anyone knows a decons developer out there, maybe they can get in touch and let me know. Like, what is it that makes decons continue to lose? some of these names, because it, it is very annoying for something that other than that actually works really, really well. So I've got a, I've got about 10 minutes before tradespeople start arriving and tearing the, well, actually they're not tearing the place apart anymore. They're putting the place back together, which is good news. It's going to be weeks of putting the place back together. Uh, and I'm going to go and get Charlotte set up and working on that nice new Lenovo X1 Extreme as well. So next week, if you've got questions about what is it like to move from a Mac and how is she adjusting, ask me next week. That's all for now. Thanks for watching and I'll see you in a week at the other end of the day. Cheers, folks.